Cheers, everyone. Cheers. 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 To purity. To purity. <laughs> <laughs> to real purity. Oh my goodness, we are gonna get into yeah. all the things. Welcome to the Fishers of Men podcast, brought to you by us at So Much Media. I'm Mary Ashley Burton. I'm Lara Samara Sands. This podcast is about relationships and your walk with Jesus. It's about the true stories of Christian men and women's struggles with chastity, sex, marriage, and relationships in a post-Christian culture. Right now, I just want to introduce our guests. Uh, some of you might remember... Becky Murdoch, who I guess it was a year ago where we did an episode on purity culture, number 63. You should catch up on that. Becky, welcome back. Thank you. And we have my lovely husband, Derek Sams. Hi. And the other male voice in the room, Paul Mowry. Hello. Hello, <laughs> and, Internet. <laughs> and his lovely wife, Olivia Mowry. Hello. So we're here to discuss I Survived, I Kiss Dating Goodbye, the new documentary by Jessica Van Der Wingard which I'm sorry if I butchered, but she did an amazing job because it captured kind of the 20 years later of when this book, I Kiss Dating Goodbye by Joshua Harris, came out 1997, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My goodness, mm-hmm. 22 years ago? Yeah. Mm. It okay. It's a big deal. So some of us, all of us at this table saw it, and some of us at this table went to go to the screening with the director and she did a bit of a Q&A, and then uh, we wanted to just talk about it because all of us were, in one, one form or another, were affected by the book, uh, whether, whether directly that we read it or just by the surrounding culture of the time uh, when we were coming of age or starting to date or not date. So I, I just want to uh, open it up to you guys. What was your reaction? So for those of you that haven't seen it, I Survived, I Kissed Dating Goodbye is a documentary, as Laura said, and it's really interesting because it's basically Joshua Harris kind of coming to terms with the monster that his book became um, and kind of reckoning with all of the uh, effects that it had on uh especially evangelical culture and everything and so it's interesting because it follows him as he meets and makes contact with both people that were directly affected and then experts that have critiques and opinions about his book and the the surrounding culture and then also people that are just on the dating scene now um and you know sort of where we can go from here and how can we can minister to people um uh and what we should really be doing or, or kind of like how how can we correct some of these mistakes and it's and what was the mistake yeah and what was the mistake exactly and um it's free online we can definitely put the link in yeah, our show notes for, for everybody sure. to see yeah so with that intro i'd love to hear any initial thoughts and we'll go into more specific questions if necessary but i feel like all of us just have immediate thoughts that go with what we thought about the movie and um a couple of us a few of us saw it twice right Mm -hmm. so uh the second viewing i took notes so i'm prepared (laughs) (laughs) i think that uh what is uh, to talk about the movie first is that it's it's definitely a testament to uh the success of the film that we we all do definitely i think come away with uh thoughts especially i think if you you know were a christian with a pulse you know who lived you know from you know, came of age, you know, when the book came out. Um, I read the book when I was 13, and it actually rattled me so much that I actually didn't even finish it. And so <laughs> I, I was really excited uh, to go see the movie. And I was hoping for a, a story that kind of also looked at the the greater ramifications and also kind of like the, the kind of like the, the mindset that was really pervasive in evangelical culture, I, I definitely was not disappointed. I think that the movie is a, a really beautiful, uh, very thoughtful, but also a very, uh, very gracious uh, look at uh, what purity culture was uh, and what it you know became in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. I actually never read the book, but 
I didn't have to read it to know everything that I yeah. needed to know about <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Um, as somebody who grew up, like it was just almost kind of like it. The the concepts of courtship that were talked about in it were almost plastered as like the extra book of the Bible. Um, mm. And I knew the rules mm-hmm. of courtship, even if I never read them, just mm. because of the just because of growing up in the late 90s and early 2000s in the church, in the mm-hmm. American church. Just out of curiosity, what are those rules of courtship for you? Like if you were to like explain like, you know, an alien who came down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, what is yeah. this yeah. ritual? Yeah. Yeah. It's a very strange yeah. ritual. Um, Mating rituals. I mean, I think the, the basics that I got of it were that don't be alone with someone of the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. Intentionally, very intentionally, and very purposefully date everyone you, you know, and like just be very controlling of your emotions within mm. that like whatever that is and if you do happen to date or express yourself sexually then no <laughs> yeah <laughs> then no hard no yeah i mean that's what i ingested as somebody who went to a couple different youth groups like big and small mm-hmm. went to a private christian school for most of my education like those are the rules and they are deeply seeped mm-hmm. into the rules of those institutions yeah and then also isn't there an element of like asking the other person's family if they're cool with you talking <laughs> even just talking to yeah. someone wait that, a minute that was a thing the that... 50s <laughs> The, the documentary talked about this, how it uh, introduced this idea of, like, a guy going to a girl's father to ask before asking her out. Yeah. Like, yeah. Ask just before dating her. Um, yeah. Which, did you notice that the guy who brought that up was actually still kind of subtly implied that he would really like it if guys kept doing that? Because you can tell he was a father and was like, <laughs> hey, guys. You know? yeah. yeah, I'm, like, Olivia, I, I never read the book, but I was in this, in this culture and around these circles where it was talked about a lot. Uh, I remember being on like some kind of an online discussion group and somebody brought it up and I made the comment, yeah, I heard that he didn't really practice what he preached totally because I heard that he'd like dated his wife and stuff and I Mm. didn't know a whole lot. And I got really preached at for gossiping. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I was like, sorry, that wasn't my intent. I just, you know, was wondering. Just Um, being a normal I'm sorry that I questioned the 67th book of the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you? But, and it, and I, Overall, I kind of saw like the good in that. Yeah. Um, but to be honest, like I, I, I didn't like actually the the few women that I actually dated um, seriously before we got married. I didn't go to their dads first. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, I, I did have time. a couple that I knew in college. I went to their wedding uh, like thirteen years ago. Like, and I remember hearing about this from her dad at the reception, talking about how like he went to her or he went to her dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, before they started dating, um, that couple's divorced now. Mm. Um, wow. Well, that's not to say that that I know it's yeah. painful anyway. But it's like this kind of goes against the prosperity gospel view of things when it's like, well, if you do it this, and yeah, I don't know that he was totally preaching this per se, but many Christians, especially young people who want to view things in a very black and white way, um, think, okay, if I do it just like this yeah. and I follow these steps, then I'm going to have a beautiful marriage. And great sex and a very happy life. Yeah, um, because this is what. Oh God yeah, has yeah. Yeah, there was a man in this um, that I really loved that he put those two things together, like the prosperity gospel and the purity culture, mm-hmm. are the same gospel Thomas basically. Umstead. Yes, I was trying to look for his name. Or at Thank least you. they can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Thomas Umstead who yes. wrote Courtship and Crisis. Yes. About that. That part really blew my mind. Yeah. Like, because I felt like the rules were wrong, but, like, you don't necessarily understand, like, why. Yeah. Like, to articulate Mm. it and why it's not working. Yeah. Especially tying it to a deeper theology, and you're like, oh. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then you see all, I loved how they explored all of the ramifications that, like, if you believe that if you do X, Y, and Z right, then you'll be blessed with amazing sex, which is also the best thing in the entire world, which also yeah. means that marriage is the best thing that could ever happen to you and the ultimate yeah. fulfillment of your existence. Yeah. And then that also means that if you don't do everything yeah. right, then you're depraved and doomed to never be happy again. And like if you stay yeah. single, then you're never ever going to be happy. And then if yeah. you fall, quote unquote, then you're never going to be happy. Right. And, yeah, so, uh, and God can never love you, and et cetera, et cetera. And, like, so there's so many implications of that in terms of, like, people's relationship with God. 
Yes. I mean, there's there's idolatry there. Uh, there's false religion. Um, Curtis Allen, who's one of the pastors that spoke on the documentary, he was talking about this, like, pharisaical, am I saying mm-hmm. that right? Mm-hmm. Uh, with, like, the good intentions. Like, you, you have these... Um, ways that you want to please God in how you do relationship and then God has his word but then we have all these rules around it and we become little Pharisees saying that you have to date this way or not date this way or you got to court and you got to do this and it becomes this very legalist way of looking at relationships Mm -hmm. and you know even from like asking your parents if I could date you that like yes like as we hope to be one-day parents, like, that would be nice, but we also realize that the reality is we live in a time and a place where, in a culture where that is, that doesn't necessarily have to be, like, the thing you do to have a good, godly relationship. Yeah, and also, like, look at what the Bible says. It doesn't say to do that specifically. It says, honor your father and mother. Yeah. Um, And we're supposed to respect elders. We're supposed to, like, there are principles in there that you can apply without necessarily doing that specific thing. Yeah. But we haven't heard from Becky yet. Yeah. Yes, Becky. Um, so my first thoughts, I loved it. Like, I was yeah. very happy that he did this and he said he was sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm the oldest one at the table and I, you're had, his age. Yes. Joshua I am. Harris Joshua Harris Harris it's not that age. old. No, it's not that old, but I am the oldest one at the table and it, it kind of bothers me that it like, um, that it was such part of my life when I was mm. an adult when this book came out. Mm. Becky, could I ask you, like, was what kind of dating culture did you have before the book came out, and then what did you see change in your life? I, I'd love so, to know that. I went to public high school, and I mean, I went to church, but you know, I was not a youth group kid by any means. I loved my church; I loved people there. But um, I went to public high school, um, and I dated guys that weren't Christians. Yada yada yada. When you were in high and, school and everything. Yes and beginning of college and then I went and I got shoved into a Baptist university and which was like reform school for me <laughs> you know like I wasn't back then but my parents but were you like, were now the goalposts changed I see what you did but you know I got there and I was trying hard to fit in when I had a life before I mean I was Christian my life um but yeah everything changed when I got to my college and I was like I was suddenly the girl of the past when I wasn't a bad kid in like public school eyes I was Mm -hmm. great (laughs) but yeah like there I was like oh you've had a past (laughs) so it was like let's try to fit in so when this book came out it was I was already being told every day is looking for mate um like that was just the message Mm -hmm. at school it was like in competition they were like every day it's you gotta watch who you're going out with like <laughs> which is a little bit over the top but I mean yes you should pay attention to who you're going out with I probably wasn't dating the greatest guys in the world before um, then I ended up in Nashville and I ended up in a very Christian culture um, so I worked in the Christian music industry I, I was surrounded by Christians and my church was really really big into this even like for the, the young adult out of college age group. By any chance, can you confirm or deny if there were any talks for an official I Kiss dating goodbye set music inspired by soundtrack? Oh my gosh, there has to be something. There has to be, yeah. I don't remember that. Music for not dating. I'm just yeah. I just feel like, do you guys remember Carmen? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that would have been like Carmen's. Well, I can think of several songs already that would have yeah, been on that album. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. I mean, they could have just like, put that together, like yeah. existing music. I know. Like, I should have been working there. I could have, you know, just pitched that to them, and they mm-hmm. could have made a bunch of money. Missed opportunity. Yeah. The, the people I was working with would not have done that, which makes me happy. That is. <laughs> that <laughs> does make yeah. That is probably good. So I so we're talking about a lot of things about the documentary and the book that affected us so i want to bring up was there anything good that came out of this is there anything good to be redeemed from the so-called purity culture were there things that we took into our lives and in an untwisted way 
and applied in a positive way? Or was it all just this big lie that we should have all just burned? Well, and... I think all of us at this table agree <clears throat> that sex is for marriage. Um, and I think that message of the purity culture is a good thing. And also um, just the fact that there was this mentality of like taking practical steps in order to, you know, abstain until you're married. Things like, it, it, yeah, it's kind of extreme to like never be alone with a person of the opposite sex that you're dating. But for some people, that might have actually been a good rule to initiate, at least mm -hmm. for a while, especially if you if you really did have a past. Um, yeah. But it just feels like there was no, there's no nuance yeah. for yeah. that room, mm -hmm. that wiggle room. Yeah. Like the purity mm -hmm. culture, whatever its intentions were, it became legalistic. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it has hurt a lot of people. Yeah. To well, as legalism always does. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so like, for me, it's hard to glean kind of those good parts from it yeah. because of the pain right. that yeah. like, and yeah. I don't have that same kind of deep hurt story, yeah. but I know that it left me feeling very confused for yeah. a lot of my youth. Yeah, what yeah. I really appreciate about Joshua Harris and, and Jessica, who um, was the director of this documentary, he was brave enough to face, mm -hmm. uh, for lack of a better word, fans, or just- Anti-fans. Anti-fans, <laughs> maybe. Haters. But people that, he, wa he wanted their personal response. So he set up a Skype session, and I don't know how long or how many days they were doing this, but some of that could not have been very pleasant. A lot of it mm -hmm. probably yeah. wasn't. Yeah. For him to hear about the 22 years of pain that he just brought into people's life, one person that was featured talked about how you know this purity stance, purity culture, it was used against her. Weaponized. Weaponized yeah. against I her. Yes. Really? Yeah. Can you How talk did, about yeah. that a little bit? Um, that I don't. I just couldn't talk like to people when I was because I dated in my twenties, mm -hmm. but then I didn't date because guys that were around me were like trying to court me, and I'm like, we're not courting. So it was like very weird. Um, but I that got used because I had a past that I couldn't talk about, so I was never known. I was never like fully known by anybody I was dating. Mm -hmm. Like. Um, maybe that's not a really great example of a weapon, but... But I, I actually, to it, piggyback on that, like, I felt like I could never ask my questions to anyone. Yeah. Like, yeah. there wasn't room to be like, mm -hmm. so why is sex great? Like, mm -hmm. what what makes it, where are we putting it on this pedestal? And if you had, you would have been accused of gossiping like Derek was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I love the documentary talking about that, how we put, they talked about virginity and purity, talking about that as like on this level plane where they were synonymous for with each other and somehow and I love that Joshua was the one that brought this up he said that you know we put sex on this pedestal above all other sin and the fact that they yeah. put yeah. that in the yeah. same sentence that. right yeah. sin and sex it's like mm -hmm. yeah he said but for like lying you yeah. never say like I lost my lying virginity yeah. <laughs> like I right. told my first lie yeah. Yeah. I'm no longer an honest person <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. you know like and it removes grace and yeah. uh, mm -hmm. what I really I think everyone here really appreciates that Deborah Hirsch was yeah. in the yeah. talk <laughs> for everybody on the that's listening she goes to my church so not to name drop but we well, are she... gonna name drop so Deborah Hirsch amazing woman uh, but she wrote this book called redeeming sex uh, love love loved it and if you haven't read it um, you Josh should go get it right yes now. <laughs> yeah burn your cop no I'm just kidding <laughs> replace it with redeeming sex but she said some things that just really resonated with me as far as sex is just is more than the physical so when it comes down to like being pure or unpure and damaged goods and like all these things it's like people get it wrong sexuality is part of being a human being and she talks about it as being the most tender part mm -hmm. of our humanity because it is where we're vulnerable and mm -hmm. uh, just piggybacking off of what you said um, Becky it's like you you, you felt uh, like you couldn't be really known and I think that when Re Deborah Hirsch talks about sex as intimacy it's not necessarily just just the physical act right I really liked since sex does do something to you on an emotional level, that the way that we minister to people should take that into account that yeah. we should be really tender be even more gracious and yeah. gracious. More gracious. Yeah, yeah. Be because yeah. of like recognizing what it does 
does to you. Um, but she put it in a much more elegant way because the way that I'm saying it makes it sound like she... <laughs> I kind of tried to write it. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> it was so beautiful. Um, and she said, if sexual sin damages us more, the church should have the most grace. Mm-hmm. Right. This is where we bury our deepest Yeah. Because, yeah, because yes. this isn't the way that we really look at sin in a church. I, I mean, like, at all. I think it's it's more like the bigger the sin, the better we should yell. The b- louder we should yell about it and, like, mm-hmm. ostracize you and make mm-hmm. you feel bad about it or whatever. But then there's but, also, like, essential, like there's there's other sins that we're just not, like, keeping the Sabbath that we're yeah. just going to, like, oh, yeah. not talk about. Yeah, right. pride, <laughs> greed, yeah. gluttony, yeah. Gossip. Uh, gossip. We yeah. don't call each other out on so much of that. It's not on this pedestal that we have, unfortunately, have put sex on a pedestal yeah. Yeah. in an adulterous way. When you were talking about how, you know, we, we say, you know, oh, yeah, I'm not a lying virgin anymore. Like, I was thinking about how we really have kind of like, like, I, I wish there was like a word for the, an antithetical idol, I guess, where it's like, instead of, instead of an idol, we kind of, we, we kind of place so much significance on sexual sin. And what I was, mm-hmm. what I was thinking about that was really hard for me is in thinking about the purity culture I came from, like, if I uh, found, like, let's say, you know, let's say two of my friends who are dating, if I found out they had sex, I think that there's a part of me that's been trained to suddenly not see their relationship as legitimate. Where, mm. where maybe like, like if I, if I, like there's this part that I think we've all been kind of trained where if we find out there is like sexual sins, like, oh my gosh, well you guys just have to break up right now because right. there's absolutely no way that any, yeah. like there's nothing good that can come yeah. out of that. No redemption. Also, there's yeah. a lot of assumptions about the people too that I think like unconsciously we would make like, oh, you're just weak willed or like you don't yeah. really love God a- at all or like, sure, yeah. are you really a Christian? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know? Did you ever read a Bible? Ever? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where I, I think that yeah. What what I've been thinking is we, like I I I can't necessarily assume that just because like if I knew people who did have sex you know outside of marriage that that means like the whole relationship is shot or even that maybe um, that doesn't mean like they're living in sin like if if the same friend maybe came to me and said oh yeah you know like I I was you know I was with you know someone and like you know we were gossiping or like let's say like I felt really insecure and I'm like I lied to this person about something I heard really bad. I would probably say, oh, it's okay. God loves you. Forgive mm. you. You just got to go tell her the truth and just try to make it right. That's probably what I would say about yeah. a lie. But what I would, would, are we being taught to say that if you have sex, you know, and yeah. I, don't, I don't know if that is. And I, I would not have realized that if it hadn't been for, for this movie. Mm. Oh, that's a good point. Deborah, she, she quoted Chesterton and I love this. Mm-hmm. Every man knocking on the door of a brothel is looking for God and mm-hmm. Eumenides, uh, the search for sex is the search for God. There's a human instinct. There's a, something at the base of our humanity that is longing for relationship and sometimes when people don't know how to express that in a healthy way maybe it's sex maybe it's lying to look better to somebody there's a myriad of different sins that in the end it all boils down to who we are in Christ do we know that we're loved of God do we know that we're made in the image of God and I think that's the piece that's missing within the church when it comes to sexual sin. Let's not talk about so much the symptoms. That is important, and there's a time and place for that. Like, we are called for accountability and and all Mm -hmm. that. Where are we preaching to each other and reminding each other that we have a God that loves us, and Mm -hmm. you are the child of a king, and he has this door for you to walk through that is, and there's salvation on the other side. It's just hard, I guess, with sex because, like, like we believe that like sex is good fundamentally good within a certain context but it's like not the best choice to have it outside a certain context and like we wouldn't really say that about lying or <laughs> you know i mean maybe maybe like white lies like maybe it's like yeah if you want to tell the old woman that she's beautiful like go ahead if you happen to live in jericho and you're hiding jews on your roof oh true yeah. and you can lie to the guards <laughs> yeah but, right. but in general, we don't. And so it's it's really hard because, like, the black and white view of sex doesn't really doesn't really include, I, I think, like, the full spectrum of sexuality, which is, like, sometimes you just want to express your love to someone, you know, yeah. and, like, you, you have this biological urge that God gave you. And, yeah. you know, like, it's and it's not that you are weak or, you know, whatever. Like... There's just a lot of room to explore. Yeah. (laughs) There's just a a lot in between. Between the black and white, a lot of, like, gray in there, I think. And, like, God 
created sexuality. Like yeah, he, he, and so exactly. that Ray, like God didn't. Get, there's theology to sorcerer right? yeah. and mm-hmm. all of that. Yeah, and like it's not just written and done. Yeah. So if we are made in God's image and God made us sexual beings, and in her book Deborah talks about how like even in the womb we have our sexuality formed there, right? If we're sexual beings from the time we are born, then is it okay for us to say that sex is okay all the time? It's what are we talking about when we say sex? Because it's not about what she says, the bits and bobs that are smashing together. It's not just about that. It's about what you were saying. It's, and she says it's, it's about being touched. It, it's being loved. It's being like what you were saying, Becky. It's being seen. And I think that context is good. Like you're not going to talk about to to like a two-year-old about like what mom and dad do or whatever right i think that it's okay to introduce this idea and she talks about normalizing sex but there's Mm. there's also boundaries there's also appropriate boundaries we've made the boundary of marriage like the the wall and you're told no sex no sex no sex and then you get married and then people freak out because like they don't know what to do with that you are told don't have sex, don't date. I you mean, can't the, just flip the switch on. Yeah, and then suddenly, like, but then you get married. But, like, in that in-between, what what do I do in that in-between? Yeah. But mm-hmm. definitely Bastard in this stuff. Yes. <laughs> okay. A lot. A lot. Right. <laughs> yeah. A I lot. hope your mom's listening. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Are, this is that kind of podcast. I, <laughs> is that a dare? <laughs> I'll send this to my mom. Uh, yeah, I'll do anything for listens, really. Yeah. Um, she knows I masturbated before I got married. Come on. Derek's mom is a therapist, so I'm sure she knows <laughs> too much. Too, too much. Okay. She knows uh, a lot of things about how people are. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But one point I did make in the documentary of one of the results of the purity movement was um, people expecting like mind-blowing amazing sex once yeah. they got married. Yeah. yeah that's the prosperity gospel yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and like i'm glad that right before we got married i had a number of really good books recommended to me that um for one we're talking you know bluntly enough about sex for christians but also like addressing the fact that you know it's going to be awkward for a while <laughs> it's mm-hmm. gonna both of you have some learning to do about each other um yeah. Even if like even if two Christians get married who have had sex with other people before and then they meet and then they wait to have sex until they're married, you know, from that point on, um, they like coming together is still new mm-hmm. because every person is different mm-hmm. and there's still a lot to learn. And so we've got to kind of recognize that all yeah. that awkwardness is okay and totally. Yeah, and that's where like both the church and the world have gotten things really badly in messaging because every movie or TV show you see that has an intimate love scene so everything's like it's really beautiful and really easy and everybody's just like awesome and, and everyone's real they, sweaty and having yeah. a great time. <laughs> hey. same time they always orgasm yeah. 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 yeah that is the one thing that I do wish I did not have expectations about <laughs> I mean not so I don't know if this is going to be a deleted scene but you know like <laughs> In terms of the synchronicity of the timing of the orgasms, I really thought that was going to be at the same time. And yeah. it takes practice. It yeah. takes practice. Olivia, What's anything that? to say about that? Yeah, I'm, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Actually, no. Well, like there is part because in because I really felt that. Like I not that part. But, <laughs> but you. Hey, come on. No, come on. Hey, you're my wife. You gotta say you did feel something. Come on. <laughs> If this were an, a video podcast, you'd know how red our faces were. <laughs> but um, the the uh, not understanding the awkwardness, mm-hmm. like because nobody talked to me about it, and I felt like I kind of had to just navigate it on yeah. my own. And then I found through Fresh Air actually this this new book that's called mm-hmm. uh, by Linda K. Klein called Pure Inside the Evangelical Movement that Shamed a Generation of Young Men and or Young Women and How I Broke Free. Mm-hmm. And Oh, it's so good. And, like, for me, it was such a freeing, even though I don't, like, agree with her on everything, like, it was so freeing to for lots of different types of women to say, like, I was so hurt. Mm-hmm. And I was so, so confused. Because that's how I felt. 
in that moment. And so, like, God has definitely been taking me on a journey to work mm-hmm. through the purity movement and, re- like, re-understand what I've been taught. Yes. Mm-hmm. You bring up another um, point in the film about the word purity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was Dana Gresh. She runs Pure Freedom Ministries. And she, in the documentary, says that she's debated whether or not to even use the word pure or purity anymore mm-hmm. because it, she gave a, the example of, like, there's women or girls who have done everything sexual except, like, vaginal intercourse, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they get to say that they're pure because they haven't had sex. Uh, but then, of course then there are people that she comes across that are trying to break out of this shame mentality and out of the, like, your damaged goods mentality that have changed their ways <laughs> with regards to sex, whether or not they've had sex in the past, and now they are living pure lives. And I, I think it's this stigma that we put on the word pure because mm-hmm. she says, Dana says, that uh, the way we use it in culture now is not how the Bible uses it, yeah. you know? like. Who can be, who is righteous, who is pure, but yeah. through Jesus, right? And mm-hmm. that's that's biblical. Until I have Christ, like, I'm not going to change in my heart, and I'm not going to be pure without Christ. Like, only Christ makes us pure. Amen. Yeah. I think that you make such a great point that, you know, purity is just not the same as virginity, and yet we we would we would never, you know, know that if you, you know, looked at the message, where it is so much about, you know, putting on physical boundaries and not about guarding your heart. And yet we say it's about guarding your heart, but what we're really talking about is, you know, the, the sexual equivalent of measuring your steps on the Sabbath. I mean, mm. that's, that's really what it is, you know, it's just modifying behavior yeah. as, a, as opposed to uh, living out of uh, our relationship with Jesus. Yeah. Curtis Allen, uh, one, the pastor that was on there, he talked about that verse, about yes. guarding your heart. You yes. know, we take that as guarding his, her, or her heart, right? It's like that phrase. Yeah. In the corner in the fetal position. (laughs) I want to talk to you about that. Uh, So he quotes, guard your heart above all else, right? We have taken that as like guarding other people's heart. And the the documentary brought up somebody that said, like, I I use that as a crutch to not get close to people. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you had a reaction. I want to know. No, what, what are you thinking? I mean, I think that that just got used as like this big blanket statement mm. across. It's like guard your heart, guard your heart. It was yeah. like you can't date, guard your heart. Um, somebody in the beginning of the documentary said um, something about the idea of not getting your heart broken, which was a big message in purity culture. So yes. Like, yeah. Guard yeah. your heart. Guard your heart. Don't get because you won't get your heart broken. I'm like, well, no. At 44, I've had my heart broken, and. I followed purity culture mm-hmm. for a lot, like a lot no, of my younger years. I'm so glad you said that. Like, I, I just want to say that real quick to kind of add to what you're saying, because like that was actually a quote um, in the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. when they quoted um, like the the purity rally, which yes. I hope we can talk about more later. But mm-hmm. like one, there was a the one of the women got up and said, "There is no condom that can protect you." from a broken heart and broken <laughs> dreams. And that, like what you just said, that's like purity culture, but like it's everything that's wrong. And honestly, I, I think it also, um, I think it also kind of just like holds you back from actually experiencing life. Like I think yeah. even, yeah. even Jesus, yes. his heart was broken in his yeah, life. Right. And that I think was part of him, you know, and I know this is hard, but to like one of the things that I've realized, cause like my heart has been broken so many times, but I think that's also how I've come to really know what it means to be alive. And yeah. and yet, you know, we, And rely on God too. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. And yet, you know, we we get into this idea of like, you know, trying to protect, you know, by by it's like, you know, that prosperity gospel of like, you know, we we do these things, but but we'll it really becomes a way for hurting people to rationalize why they can't be hurt anymore. And that's just not, mm-hmm. and, that, and that's what's wrong is because, you know, that's unfortunately just not going to happen. Yeah. yeah. And I think they, they sort of brought this up too, that it's that like one, one thing that happened with that is that like you'd walk into a room and see like men and women just at either yeah. side and like no <laughs> yeah. one was able to even talk to each other or mm-hmm. get to know each other. And that's missing out on a huge part of life. Like when you're unable to even relate yeah. To someone on a friendship or just acquaintance level, totally. Um, yeah. Then, then really, like, can you really love like Jesus did? <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, yeah. and and I just I personally 
think that you aren't really growing in virtue when you're sterilizing yourself off from anything that could possibly tempt you then you're not really going to get strong enough yeah to really deal with the world <laughs> and yeah. everything you know and so i think that's that's what happens is like when you're not really growing in virtue and you're not really like equipping yourself uh then you end up just like being on the other side of the room just scared like yeah. you know yeah, self control is one of the fruit of the spirit, right? Yeah. In Wait, what? Self control. <laughs> yeah. And if you're not and if practicing you, like, it, if you literally can't be in a car with someone of the opposite sex without thinking that you might have sex with them, then like, there's, there's a bigger problem. <laughs> that is, yeah, there's a much bigger problem. But that's problem. kind of what got fed into so many of us. So like, you've got to be so careful that it like makes you really afraid. Yeah, interesting. That like, oh, it's just it's just gonna happen if we're not if I don't watch, <laughs> yeah. if I don't guard everything really carefully. And and yeah, men are that, just sexual beings who just we're just gonna have sex spontaneously. Right. Yeah, oh, and that like, that <laughs> kind of mentality like did affect a lot of young men, and I think I'm I'm included in that. I like I didn't date any in high school, and I'm naturally always had a kind of a timid personality with things like that anyway. So hearing this kind of messaging and getting this idea, even without reading this book, that dating would usually lead to immorality, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it made me, one, not want to approach women, not want to pursue girls, and also having no idea how to pursue a girl that I liked um, until, yeah. you know, much later into adulthood. Um, and also kind of, it, as if I needed anything else when I was that pretentious and at that age to look down on other people. Like, I had me judging mm. my friends who were in, you know, dating relationships in high school. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And just, yeah. And you were being told what not to do, but you weren't being told what to anything do. Anything positive. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that message, men still get that message. I, I've been mm-hmm. thinking about that a lot lately, actually, about like this constant message of like, you're a monster and you're uncontrollable and you're, yeah. you know, like, I don't know what it must be like to grow up with that, but it can't be good, <laughs> you know. But you, we, anyone, any comment? <laughs> sorry, I, I'm not sorry. Sure, like, how to chime in on that? Like <laughs> it runs deep. That's why I didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I don't mean to strike too much yeah. of a nerve, but I, but maybe if it's even for us as women, yeah, like, mm-hmm. interacting with men where it's it's like, well, we can't walk down the hallway mm-hmm. alone because you never know what's gonna happen. We're men, and we're just thinking about sex all the time. All the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. and right. it's hard because we do think about sex a lot, you know. But it's like. It's only like 80% of the time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like women think about sex too. I mean, no, right. and that's so well, true. That no, and that yeah. was one thing Which, I seriously did not know. Like, right. I, because I wasn't told that. Yeah. But yeah, I, think I learned this later. Like, I, when a girl that I was uh, hanging out with a lot in my 20s, and then she, like, <laughs> when she said something like that, like, I was like, really? Women really want sex? Yeah, too? mind blown, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we both have to deal with temptation. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like we're both responsible. It's like you're both human. I mean, what? I think part of purity culture was so much of women, watch what you wear. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. can't do this. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. You can't do this. Because men, it's the monsters. They're horrible. Yeah. And it's like, no, no. I mean... Guys don't walk around with t-shirts off too because we like to look at <laughs> like yeah. we have eyes. We are also visual. Yeah, and yeah. maybe everybody's responsible for their own behavior. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I I think that's kind of one of the I don't know takeaway early takeaways from the Me Too movement right now is this is like it's not the narrative isn't just that like women are walking around being tempting and like men are unable to control themselves. Like sometimes like men just like do bad stuff we're just people in general <laughs> and we're yeah. just yeah. people people, people mm-hmm. in general, people do, in general just do bad stuff and you can't really blame anyone else for it you know well what's even more important is that even if a woman is you know dressing the in such a way that those people would make those comments that man who acts on that's still responsible for him no, yes. matter, no matter what and that's really you know what is that is the positive thing that I take mm-hmm. away? Yeah. Like even if a woman were literally asking for it, yes, yeah. the man's still responsible for what he does. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And most of the time, when people say asking for it, they're not. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Deborah Fuleta, who wrote True Love Dates. I wish I had that book. Yeah. yeah that's what she sounded interesting. Yeah. I think it was probably a response to all of this um, as well. You know, she mm-hmm. talked about 
dating is practice and I love what she said about marriage being a process and dating yeah. is a part of that process and becoming ready for marriage is a yeah. process yes mm-hmm. yeah um just before we press record you we had we had this copy of I kissed dating goodbye and we're, we're not going to quote from it too much or at all but I remember just briefly like uh, flipping through the pages and there was a there was a section about dating and how like dating doesn't prepare you for long-term commitment because if you're just short-term dating and this is not about bashing the book the documentary i think does that already and apologizes for it but it's just interesting that from purity movement standpoint it's like if you're dating a lot you're not practicing being a good spouse and then now on the other side of that we're um i'd like to think that we have evolved from that thought and dating actually helps you practice to be a good spouse um but were they both wrong were they both are they just this thing in culture that's responding to like the bigger you know whatever's happening in culture or uh is there some truth to both those things i mean certainly if you're a serial dater like maybe you're just I mean, there's moving. good and bad ways. Yeah, to do exactly. Like, yeah. but what I really appreciate from from what she was saying, because um, she talked about like courtship and that whole thing that came out of purity culture. She said everyone's different. Like, yeah. even if you wanted to do courtship, that's fine. That's great. But it was shaming people that yeah. felt like that's not for me. So am I a bad Christian? Like, so that's what I really appreciated from her. Like, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what I took from all of our discussions it's always like people are different yeah mm-hmm. what is the same who is this what is the same god is the same god is the same mm-hmm. yesterday today and forever and um when it comes to dating like we don't have any answers of what is dating like our very first episode of this podcast was what is dating and no one knew but in the end i think it's about if it's about relationships then we remember the two commandments that the jesus the great the great commandments you know love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and, and love your neighbor as yourself. And mm. if I'm dating somebody, am I loving that person the way that, and seeing that person the way God does? And if that's really true, if I honor that person as a child of God, a child of the King, and we're, we're both, we're brother and sister in Christ, or, you know, all of those things, like, am I really going to compromise myself and that person in ways that we're not ready for whether that be a physical relationship or even an emotional one because i think we tend to jump the gun on the emotional piece too which mm-hmm. like i was uh, earlier i was saying like i think that's even more devastating mm-hmm. sometimes because but as we were saying before like yeah. even apart from the uh, like even amidst the devastation like mm-hmm. one great lesson we've all learned is that you can come back from it and you know like trust in god and it's not the worst thing in the world or the end of your life or anything like that mm-hmm. um, but one you know like we were talking about you said sort of the danger of courtship not being for everyone or this, the danger of seeing courtship as being for everyone it's kind of like the same lesson of making a I don't know the same danger with Christian celebrities um, and it's so interesting to see Joshua Harris sort of reckon with his fame because he was 22 and literally had no qualifications when he wrote the book. And and just, but I see it still happening everywhere. Like, this random minister has a YouTube channel and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I'm in his camp. Or, you know, like, this priest or this cardinal says this and I'm in their camp and I'm with them. And, you know, like, it's just... I am a Paul, or I am of Apollos. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Way to out-Bible us. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it's like... So it's a very uh, very long-standing tradition in the Christian faith. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's our sinful nature. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm glad you brought that up, because that's one thing that really struck me watching this documentary. It's what Christians did with the purity culture and with this book is what we have done so many times with so many things. Yes. And what, what the Jews were doing before they were even technically Christians yeah. and then what other religious traditions have done too. Like we take one thing and we think, well, I'm going to please God mm-hmm. by doing this. So I'm going to set up yeah. this system Which comes from a good place inside of us because like we want to serve God. We, we want to do God. the right thing. But sometimes that's motivated because we think... <laughs> well, we think, yeah, sometimes it's ego. 
And sometimes yeah. it's, I, I God it will do does. these things for me if I do these things. Yeah, for exactly. Yeah. But tit we for fail tat. to take it and go back to what the Creator has actually told us in the first mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. And what if some Christian leaders had been able to go to look at this book a little more critically to compare things with Scripture? And say, okay, well, this is good, but all this is, it might not be the most wise thing. Because here's what scripture actually says as far as, you know, sex and marriage um, and relationships. And then if you want to talk about dating, yes, that's not in the Bible. But let's look at, you know, what psychologists say. Let's let's just apply some basic wisdom to this and some scripture. Yeah, and it just if we had just taken the time to do a little more thought, that might have helped. Instead of expecting a 21-year-old with no qualifications to do that himself, and instead of just forcing this on a whole bunch of young people who didn't know any better and telling them this is what you need to do and um, also the dating funny, is bad you should court instead the funny thing was too is that he kept like he was like going on national tv and like speaking tours and stuff with like way after he had like stopped the courtship slash dating phase of his life and mm-hmm. was like having kids and married and everything so like his experience was like really limited yeah, <laughs> and yeah he still like had this whole yeah, career we're we were taking advice from a 21 year old who was only in that season of his life for like a year and got married like yeah. a year after this book was published. But then there's also the publishers. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm, yes. When it's you... still in print, right? Oh, no, he's no, not. He oh, stopped oh, good, good, yes. good, good. Yeah. But like, we go to a Christian bookstore yes. expecting expecting something, mm-hmm. going in there that, that these are vetted. I don't know. Christian like, bookstores have not been vetted for a long time. Right. I don't know, but like but I think I, people still expect them. That's true. Like, yeah. They yeah. Look how they many Joel Osteen books are in a Christian bookstore. I <laughs> know. Um, oh, I wasn't no. going to say that, but mm. I will. He's a heretic. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> um, but like, I think that there's something to be said about how we as Christians ingest Christian media. Yes. Yeah. And like, I for a long time yeah. I've been wrestling with like the music, worship music, and like what's the content of that. And I think this is now even opened up a bigger can of worms. Yeah. About, mm-hmm. I, no, I'm glad you. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because yes, it's it's it was yeah he wrote this book and he was put on this platform of mm-hmm. being a celebrity Christian because that's a thing. But it was the pastors. Like he even brings it up in in the documentary. He's like, it was the pastors. It was your it were your parents, and if you were told to honor your parents, or you know your pastors were like this God given authority in your life, which has its own issues, right? But um, if somebody gave you this book, I was I dated somebody at nineteen and gave him this book, and I was like, this is what I want to do with our our courtship, like, and I just gave it a name, and like that did not last, and it was I was very grateful for it. But I, it affected me in, mm-hmm. I didn't date all of my 20s because I thought yeah. there was a higher way to be. And then I came to LA and then everything blew up and that was a different, that's a different story for a different time. But this book affected so many people. It was an authority in their life, for better or for worse. Well, even if the book is an authority, you know, that story he tells in the beginning, I think really rattles, you know, every, I mean, that was really what rattled me when he tells that story oh, I'm so glad you of, bring that up. Uh, yes. you know, him having this dream of like all these women from his past you yes. know, coming to him on his wedding day and how, you know, the idea is that if you, if you date too much, you're essentially emotionally unavailable and your wife won't love you. <laughs> it's really, yeah. you know, what it was what like it a is. bride crying when she yes. finds out. Ah, yeah, yeah right? and you're not going to have a very good marriage. And, and that, that was the part uh, that I, I read as a 13-year-old. And uh, it was so funny. I, my mo- so my mom gave me the book because, you know, the way it always goes is a friend from church gave it to her. And so yeah, she was like, sure, oh, you yeah. should read this. And uh, yeah, sorry, Mom, I know you meant well. Because <laughs> I am going to send you this podcast as, you know, because Mary dared me to and I'm going to. But um, so, yeah, we... Uh, that, that story really scared me. And I, I think that um, what, what we've all kind of danced around is that, you know, what, what this book, but also Purity Culture as a whole did is it, it put too high of stakes yeah. on, on a single date. Where yeah. the, and also like even like Becky, what you were saying, like oh my gosh, like what if like you know I'm gonna go on a date with this person and suddenly like maybe this is gonna be my future spouse. Like I was mm-hmm. I was actually talking to someone after the movie screen and she was telling me, yeah, I, I remember when I was 16, I went on a date with this guy and then that same day I went home and I told my friend, you know, that was fun, but I'm not sure if I could marry him. And isn't that <laughs> like isn't that like so like and that's like. To me, like I laughed so hard when I heard that because that's really, I think, how I was. Like I, and really, I was like it because that's how I'd been taught to think. You know, yeah. when yeah. I, I, why, why are you smiling? At me? <laughs> <laughs> Did you tell the story about when you first kissed. 
Oh my gosh, this, I'm so glad you remembered that. Yeah, do you want to tell since you remember that? Oh, it's a great that? story. No, okay, so it's 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 a different conversation. <laughs> but um, okay, so so my first kiss with my wife. So um, I knew that she had um, I knew that she had gone to a Christian school her whole life, and mm-hmm. you know we're dating, and we know that we're both like the the, the underlying. The underlying knowledge we both know about each other is okay. So I am hardcore, but I'm too cool to talk about it yet in terms of our faith, right? Where we both know that you know we we have this faith, but we're trying to talk about you know like like Alfred Hitchcock and you know other you know like movies and, and what, going to LACMA. How many dates or okay? Well, okay. Two or three? Oh, okay. We'd, that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, and I wanted to kiss you, which, you know, I hope is okay. So Even we, though we'd only been dating for a few weeks, but I wanted to kiss you. So and fast forward, like, we were at a beach. Yeah. It was this beautiful beach. The sun was setting. The birds oh. were flying. <laughs> it was getting romantic. <laughs> and he, really romantic beach. And I'm then we walked across weekend. the beach, and we looked into each other's eyes in this loving way, and he says, can I kiss you without it being a thing? Like... <laughs> <laughs> And Olivia instantly was was not turned on by that. <laughs> and and to, okay, the way I remember saying it was like the way I said it in my head was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna be rakish and fun and cavalier and be like, hey, so can I kiss you? And it, you know, it'll be it won't have to be this big deal. We won't have to wonder if we're gonna have you know be you know married afterwards or something like that. You know, we just, you know we can just kiss each other on the beach. And the way, but the way I, it came out, it, I mean, like, <laughs> it wasn't a, that. Yeah, it, it, was, it was not that. And, so good. Um, the and, only, uh, and just talking about it, realized that came from those assumptions. Yes. Yes. In, we did kiss later, by the way. And it oh, was good. Really fun. And it was good. Okay, yeah. good. I recovered. Okay. I well, she married you yeah. eventually, so yeah, it couldn't have been terrible. Either yeah. way, I did win. So. <laughs> but Thomas Unstad Jr., who wrote. Courtship and crisis. We were talking about him earlier, but he talked about this like courtship putting on pressure too much too fast, right? Like you guys were saying, uh, it, it's it's almost laughable now because I I think hopefully all of us are past this. But like, oh, I can't date anyone unless I know I want to marry them, or if I go on a first date with somebody and I and they're not the person I want to marry. Like, what have, what have I done? Every yeah. box I ever know? wanted. It's like too much. Like it, it it's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> That we had those expectations. I like, yeah. Like, I think that we think we're past that, but I don't. I don't. Think so. <laughs> I like yeah. single yeah. people. And yeah. As far as I know, you're still single. Yeah. Um, but being that, yeah, I don't. I don't think we've moved past that. No. In what, what ways? Like how? Because I mean, I don't date a whole lot, and I mean, the stakes are too high. There's yeah. Because well. like, I still get like guys that are like, I think it was addressed in the movie. Like online dating and like it's like very visual. Yeah. And guys are visual, so they mm-hmm. can't work that kind of thing. But like Christians were taught to like date with I want you to be like whether it's like tall and blonde or yeah, like yeah. it's like so if you're like not, you're S O L. Um and that's I mean, but I still see guys doing that. Like I still and I I I notice some female friends doing that as well, yeah. but I still feel it's like, well, you're not the perfect wife I was promised. Well, <laughs> and that was that, that was brought up too in the woman playing the song. I was yeah, just, she was great. Oh, yeah, that, that really spoke to me. <laughs> love me. The whole song, like, oh, yeah. just love me, accept me for what I am, love me for what I am. Oh, you're five foot three. Yeah, yeah. never mind. Totally. Wasn't that brilliant? Yeah, yeah. so brilliant. Like yeah. it goes both ways, but I don't see like I still don't see a lot of dating i'd like to i think that we think we're over it i don't think we actually i don't think we are i agree um, it's sad yeah. but it's yeah. true we get we, we should there should be a follow-up podcast about what, what's moving forward interesting um, i guess i was more about um so you're you're saying we're not over it it being people still have this expectation that going on dates means i'm trying to i'm yeah, looking for yeah. a I husband hear, okay i hear that, this from both my male friends okay. i don't hear this from my female friends right. as much but i hear this from a lot of my female friends yeah like, no, no no i can't be alone with her because she might get the wrong idea and yeah, i'm like yeah. i can be yeah. alone with the man I, and not want to marry him yeah, yeah. trust yeah. me I, yeah. everybody wants to marry you i, I acknowledge that mm. so. yeah it there's a fear of dating too much or like there's just fear all around Mm -hmm. so lisa bonos uh she does a washington post column or blog i guess called soloish right um and she talks a lot about like online dating and stuff and she she 
talks a little bit about what you're talking about, Becky, of, and so did Curtis, um, past, the pastor on here, talking about like online dating. It's like it, it's crippled us. Um, it's made us think that superficially judging each other. Although I have, I know people that have married, so it's not always horrible. But I will say for like me personally, like I think online dating is really good for me. I did it for really short spurt yeah. before I met Paul, but it was like. I was able to go, I definitely didn't want to marry any of the guys I met on there, but like it was, it was cool to connect mm-hmm. and to like yeah. get to know somebody and know, a, I, I was moved yeah. to LA and I got to know the city yeah. with them. I think yeah. Mary Ashley and I, and I mentioned this in a previous podcast before, but it's like, you can meet anybody anywhere, anywhere online, at a bar, at a whatever, right? You can meet anybody anywhere. It's what you do after that, right? Mm-hmm. And then... It's okay to date multiple people. We, we did a thing on the dating project, and I actually really liked their model in that documentary of, like, there's, you know, level one, two, and three, and, and all of that. Like, Lisa Bonos makes a good point that, like, people don't have, like, a finite amount of love. So when you're saying that, oh, I dated all these people, and they all have a piece of my heart, and I can't give you my whole heart, I think, like, I call BS. Mm-hmm. Because I, I think that you can heal from past relationships, and if you're not, you're not healed from some of those relationships or you're hung up like that means you're not ready to marry maybe right so it's not about having these finite amounts of love mm-hmm. um and to yeah. not be afraid of that yeah and i think it really comes down to everybody discerning with god like what they need in the moment like mm-hmm. online dating was good for you and it can be good like it can be good just to get out and get to know the city and get to know people and you discover parts of yourself that way and like you discover like what you want in a person and what you don't want and then I think though if you are in a different stage in life or you know you can be looking for something different where that's not really going to satisfy you and you know like it's online dating is so weird too because you have people that are looking for like they're cool with something casual or just seeing what happens and then you have people that like they don't even know your last name and that you've interacted twice and they're already messaging you about like how far are you willing to go before marriage (laughs) you know or like you like you know how committed are you to living in your neighborhood or you know like stuff that's like way far beyond what a normal stranger would ask another stranger and um and so that does put pressure on it too, yeah, because online you know. dating, you're you're suddenly fast forward to like date five and, and as also, far as information. Yeah, and also in LA, like it takes a lot to like get out of your house and like brave traffic and like make <laughs> arrangements to both oh, yeah. meet at the same place. Yeah. Like, I was like, so, oh, you're in Santa Monica. Oh, I, I'm yeah, sorry, so, I'm busy. <laughs> so a lot of people just don't want to do that if mm-hmm. it's not going to turn into like a lifelong fulfilling yeah. relationship you it's know? hard enough to do that with your friends too. yeah exactly. yeah, yeah. Help, yeah it's you know? it's and it's it's genuinely hard to get done everything that you need to get done yeah, in a day like yeah. so the last, real. Uh, the last couple dates i went on which i've met online i was just like oh my gosh i would much rather be with my friends yeah i have such little time Right. Mm-hmm. To do anything else besides, like, the stuff I have yeah. to do. Like, I want to be with my friends. Or, like, I could have been home with a bottle of wine watching a movie by myself. <laughs> yeah. Like, that would have been better. Because this yeah. is horrible. I, I, was, I thought for, like, a phase in my life, like, well, I've got to eat dinner. I might as well, like, have dinner with someone. But, yeah. no. it's no. If, you're, mm-hmm. if you're not going to have an enjoyable experience and you're just going to hate being there and, like, all you can think about is, like, when can I leave? That's not a good waste of your... I no. mean, it's not a good waste, huh? That's not no. a good use of your... Right. <laughs> anyone's time. It is the worst waste, the worst waste yeah. of your, your time. time. Yeah. So we are coming to the end of our talk, and so before I ask for last responses, I, I do want to, again applaud josh for even doing this yes because you know someone tearing down your what he's known for um and he he talks about that like this was a year of my life and then i became the pastor of a large church and i got married and had kids and like i was out of that season so quickly and then that's the thing you became known as known for um so i do we do applaud him for coming out and and doing this Mm -hmm. uh but he did say uh 
he made some really good points while he was apologizing. Mm. Uh, one of the things he said was, just because something sells doesn't mean it's giving them what they need. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love that. And we Me don't too. know what we want half the time. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's so true. In the end, it, it comes back down to really the gospel message. Like, we sometimes don't, like, in general, in society, we don't ne- know that we need the gospel. And we need to get reconciled with God, our Father, who created us and made us in his image and all those things. Because when you don't know those things, it's easy to blunder all the other things with other human beings. Mm-hmm. Like, let alone dating, but my relationships with my parents or my siblings or even my friends and coworkers. Like, if I'm, so in the end, it, again, it boils down to that. Like, yeah. love, love the Lord and then love your neighbor. Amen. And you can't really blame the guy who is giving you easy answers because at the end of the day, you're still responsible for going yes, to God yeah, for the, the hard truth. Like absolutely. we we go like you know we as believers will go to someone else for that easy answer because Jesus has already told us something, but we don't really want to accept that. Yeah. You know whether it's uh, you know whether it is like the basic prosperity gospel of health and wealth as opposed to you know Jesus saying you know you have to give up everything and take up your cross and follow me. Or it's, you know, I'm, you know, going to be a virgin and then, you know, God's going to bless me, you know, because I waited and all this stuff. Like, God, you know, doesn't necessarily promise that. He does promise that he's always good, but it, it's it's our sinful nature that isn't in relationship with God that's drawn to those easy answers. And it's it's not his responsibility, ultimately. Like, we stand before God, you know, yeah. for ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's easier to blame something else, but yeah, mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. You know, we're told to... Guard our, that was the point of what that pastor was saying about guard your heart. It's <laughs> Full like, circle. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you guard your own heart. Um, I, we should point out the passage in Proverbs, it's Proverbs 4.23, that, mm-hmm. let's see, English Standard Version says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. The context there, I don't see any reason why that has to be just romantic relationships yeah. Yeah. or boiled down more just yep. sex. Um, it's like when the Bible talks about your heart, it's like your whole seat of emotions. It's mm-hmm. your, your mind, your soul, your way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, we're to guard that with all vigilance. Mm-hmm. Um, and because, you know, you don't want to be led astray by every wind of doctrine. Yes. Um, and part of guarding your heart means knowing scripture. It means seeking God first. It means that we don't just follow every movement in the culture, even in Christian culture. Mm-hmm. And we do need to keep a sense of these things. So individually, we have a responsibility to compare things with Scripture, compare Scripture with Scripture, mm-hmm. um, to understand the truth. And then if we are parents or any kind of mentors or elders or um, pastors, we have a responsibility for anyone who looks up to us to do that again. Um, and when you're in those positions, even more so. Not everyone can be an expert theologian. Not everyone is writing a giant book like Van Grudem. But yeah, but thanks to Luther, we all have a Bible we can yes. okay. read. Um, <laughs> oh, I didn't mean to. <laughs> that was not a dig well, uh, Okay, Luther all right. was German, so thank, thank John Wycliffe. And yeah, these guys. yeah. Um, but it, it is an important responsibility for us. Any anytime we're in a position of leader of leadership, but also just as individuals, um, to not just accept everything we hear, but to always go back to Scripture to compare the teachings of men with what the Bible actually says. And when we get different people saying different things, compare them. Just see what stacks up better. Um, And don't just go all in on one idea just because it's popular or just because somebody you really like gave it to you or just Mm -hmm. because it's interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's just something we all have to be careful of. And I think that's really how you guard your heart. Yeah. Amen. That made me think of Romans 12. uh, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve God's will, uh, what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And transforming our minds. It's interesting that says, in view of God's mercy. Yeah. yeah. Um, that not, was... not like you do these things and then God's going to be merciful to you. Right. But hey, God's merciful. It's through yeah. the lens yeah. of So why don't you just mm-hmm. so yeah. go and be a living sacrifice? Yeah. 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 Mic drop. <laughs> and I also, I have one last quote from the movie that I think we can go out with on the podcast, which sure. is, true love waits, you gotta say, and when you're feeling weak, you gotta, you gotta pray, yo! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was so good. That was from the true love waits That rally. was my favorite part. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that Actually, definitely made me want to sign up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was like, 
like, wow, these people are so hip and cool. <laughs> so the documentary is I Survived, I Kiss Dating Goodbye. We'll have links in uh, we'll have links in the show notes. Um this has been another episode of Fishers of Men. Thanks everyone. Thank you for listening to our podcast. This has been another episode of Fishers of Men. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, please email us at fishersofmenpodcast at gmail.com or find us on our website at fishersofmenpodcast.com. We are also on Facebook under Fishers of Men. Follow us on Twitter at at LA Gone Fishing or on Instagram at Fishers of Men Podcast. There is an underscore after each word. Please also remember to rate and make comments on iTunes if you feel so inclined. It's really important so that other people can discover our podcast. I'm Larson Ersans. I'm Mary Ashley Burton. 